punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hello there. Welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined, as always, and once again by Lauren Campbell and Logan Mullen. Uh, we are here to dissect the first two games of the Bruins' first round playoff series against the Washington Capitals and look ahead to the rest of the series. Uh, we're going a little earlier than usual this week, but uh, that is in large part because the NHL has dictated as much. Uh, guys, how you doing? Doing wonderful. Awesome. What awesome. do? Let's just get into it. Um, two hockey games have been played. Both have gone to overtime. Each team has won a game. Uh, I'm not sure the first two games could be, especially as a whole, any uh, any more evenly balanced or whatever. Uh, let's go around the room. Biggest takeaway through two games. Why don't we start with Logan? Uh, I guess it would be that the success of the Bruins, this isn't really that insightful now that I say it, but it's going to live and die with the top six, right? Like, they didn't get anything out of them in game one and they still hung around. And I think that it's the Bruins series to lose so long as they get offensive production from their top six. I think it's a promising sign that Jake DeBrusque was scoring in game one and uh, in that they were getting all their offensive contributions from the bottom six. But if they don't get what they did out of game two, then they're going to let the Capitals hang around uh and I think frankly there's a stark difference between the ceiling of the Bruins offense and the floor of the Capitals defense and you look at the numbers of the Bruins top six just punishing Dmitry Orlov and um, John Carlson and there's really no reason that they shouldn't be going buck wild especially against Craig Anderson I was gonna say on that point too like that whole ceiling floor thing becomes even more pronounced, I think, without Vitek Vanacek or, you know, Samson, Samsonov, Samsonov, however you say it. Um, yeah, I, I, I die on the Sergei Samsonov. I just can't quit Sergei <laughs> yeah. Samsonov. Um, so, yeah, and now Craig Anderson, I think, you know, he comes in game one and looks okay. I, I mean, he was what? They put 23 shots on him, something like that. He made 22 saves. Not a whole lot of high-quality looks. I think we saw it in game two a lot more of uh, the Bruins' game plan coming to fruition, whether it's just a lot of the east-to-west thing, moving pucks and bodies across the ice. Craig Anderson looked friggin' clueless at times. So um, that's one point to make. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, like, they'd be porked if they didn't make that Taylor Hall trade. You know, this series would look a lot better. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I it because we talked about that all year, you know, can you get the secondary scoring and – you know, they've now it's like, can they get tertiary scoring? That's, but that's a good problem. To get ask. Curtis Lazar going. Yeah. But like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I, in the playoffs, like a third line feels like gravy, but that's also how you get to the Stanley cup. So, um, yeah. The, the approach to game one kind of surprised <laughs> me. Uh, and I think that's the other kind of big takeaway. And hopefully I'm not ripping this from anybody else, but like in, I think we all said last week that if the Bruins tried to play the way the Capitals want them to play, they are going to be in a world of trouble. No team can play the way the Capitals play. They are so uniquely constructed that any team would just be chasing Washington. And 
it seemed like too often the Bruins fell into that pattern. Whereas like they let the Capitals just completely stifle them in the neutral zone and this and that. And what shocked me the most is for as much trouble as they were having, like establishing their offensive zone, when they got Craig Anderson into the game, you would think it would have been bombs away. Like it was kind of like in what was it, game six of the, 2004 ALCS it's like why are the Yankees not bunting on Kurt Schilling it's like why are the Bruins not just firing clappers from the point every single time they're there because Craig Anderson did look a little clueless and some of it wasn't even his fault he was coming in cold six minutes into a game and played five games all year and granted he's 39 he's been around whatever but I was very surprised that they didn't try at least noticeably try and get a little bit more uh, action to the net they certainly fixed that issue in game two. They did. A million shots on that, or at least that's what the numbers say. It didn't feel that way. Maybe that's a take of mine. Maybe I spaced out too busy on my phone or something. It didn't feel like they put a ton of shots on that. But then you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Lauren, what's your biggest takeaway? Uh, my biggest takeaway is that the Bruins need to pass less. I think we saw that a ton yesterday in game two, that just one too many passes here and there, and – they have the opportunity to shoot the puck and they don't. And we've seen this so many times in the past few years, especially in the postseason. So last, uh, like last season too, but less passes, more goals. That's that, that's the key to win right there. I don't disagree. I, I think they're probably going to pass more like, because I think, and I don't, I mean, if it works, it works, but like Craig Anderson turns 40 in like two days or whatever, he can't move laterally. They're going to try like, passes across the slot I think in my opinion that's what I mean maybe I'm wrong I don't know if you guys see it differently but like that clearly worked it was on the game like the game winner and I think one of the other goals they scored Harley Coyle when he went yeah. behind that like he took the bait there when right. yeah I mean if it works it works but like I mean I find myself just being frustrated with no, I, it, that's the thing ball. like it and Cassie talked about that after game one and that is and Logan you and I kind of I did not you know explicitly mention this but I texted you last night about Bruce Cassidy and kind of like just the Bruins in general and the patterns that they've kind of gotten into over the years it, it feels like they've had this overpassing issue before especially in the playoffs so I yeah it's definitely a problem they skate into pro, you know trouble too often but like I think they've it's it's, it's got to be tough when you see like a a full season or whatever you want to call a full season of success where like they their puck movement is second to none and that's usually how they and that's just a lot easier to do against Buffalo than it is against Washington when there's a lot less ice in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's weird because they're making too many passes basically because they want like a sure thing goal. And especially with Craig Anderson in the net, if I'm Bruce Cassie, I'd rather say if you're going to get a great B chance instead of a great A chance, just do that instead of overpassing. This isn't – Danton Heinen all alone in the slot passing up on a shot. This is, you know, Patrice Bergeron probably could feather a puck through, but he decides he's just going to pass it instead. So I, I get it. They do have a tendency to overpass. I would, I agree with Lauren in the sense that I would just want to nip it in the bud early. Like I would not want that to become a hallmark of the Bruins offenses. The only way we're scoring is if we get Craig Anderson off the far post. Yeah, because what happens if they put Sam Sonov in, who's twenty-something years old and moves a lot better? 
then all of a sudden you reworked your game for something that I, I don't know ultimately wasn't sustainable. Yeah, Simsonov may be nearing a return too. Um, Lavi He's Led, traveling. Yeah, Lavila talked about that today, which is Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. Um, Samsonov practiced. Yeah, he is traveling. So that's a step in the right direction for him. I, which brings me to my takeaway. Um, I don't think that will matter because I, I think this series has in multiple ways gone pretty much exactly how I expected it, which is not <laughs> as much of a pat on the back as it sounds like. Um, but it's two relatively even ma- evenly matched teams, but like, if the Bruins can get to anything close to their best, th- I mean, this thing might be done by Saturday. Like I or su- Sunday, Sunday. Like I don't want to overreact to one game, but I think you saw, at, especially in Game Two, it, at points like when the Bruins are playing their game, the Capitals have no answer for it, and that's kind of a piggybacking off of your point, Logan. With just the the defensive thing is really a, a huge deal where it's. I mean, they get pucks behind them. They get them moving laterally. They've got no chance. I mean, you look at, like, the fact that they're playing Zidane Chara 13 minutes. Either he's hurt or, like, it's just clear that he's not going to – like, he can't keep up with that, especially if he's not out there to kill penalties. So, I – it's gone – you know, the Bruins have – I mean, sure, when we made our predictions last week, we did not expect Craig Anderson to be playing uh, 75% of the first two games. But, I mean – fine even more so like that they can't I mean the Bruins have a giant giant advantage when it comes to goaltending um I think the Bruins also have a better chance to kind of get their secondary scoring going than the Capitals which also speaks to the injury issue where T.J. Oshie not 100% I'm still not convinced Alex Ovechkin is 100% you see it in spurts but it's not there for sustained 60 minutes Lars Eller's hurt now like there's just a lot of, like you know a lot of things that we talked about last week goaltending the capitals defense injuries a lot for them kind of working uphill right now that the bruins split you know on the road and now they come home with a you know it's basically a best of five with home ice advantage they have to feel pretty good about it but it could still go both ways I, it's just I, I don't know like it's, it's just a it's so far it's like a classic seven game series where it's just going to be back and forth and at you if you're the bruins you kind of hope it over the course of a longer series as the season series goes on, that discrepancy starts to really, you know, stand out even more. I have no clue what Peter Laviolette's doing. Like I, I just, the defensive combinations make no sense to me that they do not have like the closest thing they have to a true shutdown pairing is Chara and Nick Jensen. And they're, if Chara is hurt or they think he's being ineffective, they're not playing him enough. They're healthy scratching Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who is like an objectively good defensive defenseman. And I just eventually it's going to get to the point where it's like you have to break up Orlov and Carlson. Like the defense is just too damn bad between the two of them that especially. And the thing too, is that the Bruins are about to go home and get last change. And if I see Orlov and Carlson on the ice, if I'm Cassie every single time I'm sending out the first or second line and just bullying them into submission. That's a really good point about them going home. They like, they're going to put them in a blender. Like the more I think about it, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I guess this is a, a, a branching off topic. Like if you're, if you're the capitals right now, what's your, your best hope here? Is it that Rask just falls apart? Is it, you know, 
do you start gooning it up? Like, that's a good thing. I guess we can start. Lauren, do you think that's kind of the next step for the Capitals to, to kind of start getting a little bit more physical if possible? Yeah, I think so. I think they've been pretty tame through the first two games here. And I think that if things start to unravel, they'll start getting a bit more physical, um, a bit more goon-like play. And I think, too, that with the Capitals, they really need the their top line to get going. They were shut down in game two. And if, you know, Ovechkin gets, starts getting frustrated, if the Capitals themselves start getting frustrated, they start panicking, and then they'll get into that, that physical, gritty play. And it's, it's not going to benefit them very much at this point if they're just re- reacting out of retaliation or just uh, frustration. If the game's officiated the rest of the series like game two was, they've got no chance. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, I, I, I mean, I don't think it was overly officiated, but it was relatively tight. And it was tight. Yeah. I mean, they were not taking any anything after the whistle either, um, yeah. for better or worse. That kind of annoys me, but that's neither here nor there. Logan, what's the path back for the Capitals here? Well, well, I'm talking like the, like the series is over. It's, it's one, one, but like what is the path to success for Washington? Well, I don't think that the way that the Capitals played at the beginning of game one was sustainable. And I think that's ultimately the thing is that if I'm Bruce Casty or anyone on the Bruins coaching staff, I'm saying take the body when you can, but we're not playing their game. And if they want to, they're just going to tire themselves out. Like the Bruins could not hit the net or do anything offensively in game one. And they forced overtime. And it was because the Capitals went and took everybody they could in the first 10, 15 minutes. You've got Ovechkin lining up Krejci, all that stuff. It's body, body, body everywhere. And that just stopped. Like it it stopped in the last couple of periods and ended up settling down. And all, all told, both sides were relatively level in terms of the you know, fisticuff, uh, physicality, metric, however you want to follow it. So if I'm the Bruins, I'm saying they're playing to us. Um, But as for the path back to the Washington, for Washington, it probably is imposing your will. And at the same time, hoping that uh, Rask falls apart or the defense starts collapsing. Rask hasn't really, he's had, what, one or two beach balls that he probably should have had, but like, he's not really showing like signs of cracking. Um, and I think back to like 2019 against the Blue Jackets where Bobrovsky was nails for like three games, but he just knew that eventually he was going to start to fall apart. Uh, I'm not getting that sense right now with Rask. So if I'm the capital, some part of me is just praying to God because what if they don't get Kuznetsov back right away? Like TJ Oshie's probably your second line center then, right? You're down Kuznetsov and, um, and Lars Eller. And you've got Nick Dowd on the second line, the third line. Like, it, it, it could it could un, get unhinged pretty quick. Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm probably speaking the way I am is because there's not a whole lot going right for Washington right now. And it's, it's amazing how quickly that can change because, you know, if they hold on to that lead, um, it, it's a completely different conversation, right? Or maybe it's not. I don't know. Like, I mean, the conversation is certainly different, but, like, I think the Bruins played a pretty good road game in game one. And then, you know, winning a, a road game in the playoffs when you're down a goal late, like that's a good win no matter how you do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, you only get four losses. So, like, going home down 2-0 was, would not be ideal. But I, I wouldn't have been overly panicked if I was the Bruins coming home with the way that those games played out. I think I, if I'm Washington with the way – 
the second half of game two played out, that's where the, the fear or the panic starts to come a little bit because it's injuries and it's because the Bruins started to find something a little bit, especially that second line. They were fantastic in the third period. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a, it's, it's certainly trending in the right way for the Bruins, but that's kind of the way series go too. So you don't want to get too over overhyped about that or, or overreact to that. Um, Logan, you made a point that I was going to respond to, but I, I already forget. So that's not, Oh, the other thing too, is like Washington coming out like they did in game one, it, it felt almost like they needed to be up for nothing midway through the second period in that game for it to really be the statement that they wanted. Like, and that's why I wonder how desperate they get with that physicality where it's like, they came out and clearly tried to bully the Bruins. It worked for 10 minutes. Like the, <laughs> David Krejci's still looking out of his ear at a certain point, like getting run over twice in the span of 25 seconds and like his first shift of the series. But like, I don't know. The, I, they have not, maybe it, over the course of a seven game series, it starts to take its toll on the Bruins, but I just, I don't feel like, you know, they've, it, it's, it's not working yet for Washington. Maybe it will, but it's just. You know what told me everything I need to know about that is when Bruce Cassidy had to replace Jeremy Lozon, and he's like, I'm going to go with Clifton instead of Tenorti. Like, those were his yeah, two options. He said, I'm going to go with the five foot ten guy who, you know, make no mistake, Clifton likes to, you know, run around and play aggressive and all that stuff. But, like, if, he, if Bruce Cassidy was genuinely concerned that the Bruins were going to get outbodied, he would play Tenorti. And well, he didn't. And not only that, too – Playing Tenorti, it would be a – I mean, I guess I'm saying the same thing. It is a, a big-time panic move because that flies in the face of what he continues to say is that, like, the Bruins are going to try to outspeed him. They're going to try to outskate him, skate around him, and, like, Tenorti, bless his soul, does not help you do that. Despite, I don't know if you watched that goal then against the what he showed in game 56. Week. Yeah, that was awesome. Um all right, so two games into the series, up to five left. Has anything changed in the way that you guys are viewing this series, the way you think this series will go? Um, Lauren, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I, I originally said Bruins in seven. Um, I don't know. I think – I don't know if this series is going to go seven now if the injuries continue to pile on for Washington and the Bruins continue to play their game and don't, don't give in to Washington. So I can definitely see this going five – maybe more likely six, but I think I've talked myself out of the Bruins and seven narrative. Yeah. I mean, my pick was Bruins and five, so I'm going to stick with that for now. Um, I have a feeling just, it feels like the Capitals are hanging on by a thread and I don't know if I have blinders on because I thought that the Bruins were going to roll them or what the deal is, but it feels like if the Bruins end up taking a two, one series lead, and they're at home for another game, like, it does not feel as if it would be incredibly hard to just stomp out the Capitals' remaining will. I don't know. That, that might be a, a bridge too far. But these This 20-minute conversation thus far is not going to age very well. If no, get, no, it's not at all. If they get beat 4-1 to one on Wednesday night, we're going to look like idiots, and it's like, all right, we're right back into this. Yeah. Um, I am interested to I, – I, I'm not going to – I'm probably going to abstain from answering this question because it was basically my biggest takeaway is that it just played out the way I expected it to. And I'll, I'll stick with Bruins and six because it's just whatever. Um, I haven't seen anything from either team that 
changes the way I feel about either of them. So it's just kind of played out the way, you know, you kind of expect it to play out. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess my big thing too is at some, at some point is, is Ovechkin going to kind of put the team on his back? I, I wonder if he's uh, – I feel like you're whistling past the graveyard if you question whether he can still do that. Um, but, you know, he, it feels like he's got a two-goal game in him at some point where he just is the best player on the ice by far. But at the same time, like we haven't talked a lot about how effective certain members of the Bruins have been so far. Like that first line has looked a little uneven. Like I think Marshawn had a objectively bad game in game one, at least relative to what he can be. He wasn't great for parts of game two either, but you know, when they need it, they've been getting big plays from the guys. And that's, I mean, that may be like the biggest difference so far, at least in the last you know, game and a half um, is that, you know, Bergeron had a big goal. Taylor Hall comes up big, had a great game one, played well in game two as well. You know, the Marshawn goal late, Krejci made a big play. Like the Bruins' best players have looked very good. So that feels sustainable. Like it's not like they've, you know, if they'd come out and scored like four fluky goals for the bottom six, it'd be one thing. But this feels sustainable. They haven't clicked on the power play yet. So I don't know. It's been fairly entertaining, I guess. I feel like this series still has another gear to go do, though, which is kind of like the physical stuff and, and all that. But it's we've seen it, as Bruce Cassidy says, we've seen it in pockets. just hasn't completely uh, – I don't think the spark has been completely ignited. Um, any uh, any lineup changes you guys foresee coming with the Bruins, Logan? Well, so I literally just had the thought of, I wonder if the Bruins go up 2-1. This would be an incredibly ambitious move and thus probably unlikely to happen. But if I'm trying to do some coaching gamesmanship and the Bruins go up 2-1 in this series, maybe that's when I bring in the Trent Frederick spark plug or the Tenority and be like, I'm going because I think about what happened with Lozon and Ovechkin in game one. And, like, that was, I think, a pretty stupid approach from Lozon. Like, I thought that he was right to go after Ovechkin. But once it got to four, five, six, seven cross checks, it's like, dude, what are we yeah, doing which, here? Was it, was it the seventh cross check where you decided that that was? Yeah, okay. that was when I checked out. I was like, you know what? Maybe let's reel it back in a bit here. But the thing is, like, Ovechkin looked genuinely pissed. Like, he looked annoyed about that. And that was right after he scored his goal. And my thinking is – Okay, if my theory is correct that the Capitals' will is hanging on by a thread and the Bruins go up 2-1 and they have another home game, why not just then use that as the opportunity to bully them and try and stomp them out and be like, not only are we going to beat you in game four, but we're going to have Trent Frederick pissing off Alex Ovechkin the entire game. And stuff like because it is well documented. Uh, Trent Frederick has gotten speared to the nether regions because of his ability to frustrate Alex Ovechkin. So, if that's what you're worried about, then maybe that's a lineup change that is worth considering. I don't think it'll ever happen. I'm like 50 50 on thinking that's a great idea versus thinking it's really stupid. Um, but otherwise, I wouldn't mess with things too much. I, I don't know who represents an upgrade. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think that it's working right now. The third line looked really good last night in game two. And you just, 
I don't, I'm a big proponent of if, if it's working, like don't, don't change it. Don't make any changes. If it's clicking, you know, if they go down to one, that's a different story. But I think that, uh, or right now just stay with what's working. I, I think the Frederick move is inevitable. And if it's not, then they're going to win the series pretty easily because I mean, for as good as they looked in game two, or at least parts of game two, like the fourth line was stapled to the bench for a good chunk of the second and third period. So if you're going to get, you know, if it's going to be seven and a half, eight minutes of Chris Wagner, it might as well be seven and a half, eight minutes of Trent Frederick trying to goad somebody into a bad penalty. That's nothing against uh, Chris Wagner. It's just, if it's going to come down to usage like that, you might as well get a guy who has a chance to, you know, bring somebody with them for, for four or five, you know, so. I had a similar thought regarding Wagner, where if the Bruins come out in game three and end up winning with speed again and just skating circles around the Capitals, maybe you go full tilt with that and put in like a Coolman type. Um, it was just great fast skater. And because that would be coaching gamesmanship too, to be like, we're not even going to throw out. We're going to take out a guy who's usually a team leader in hits and replace him with a guy who's just fast and hunts pucks and plays hard. Um, like, that would be a nice fu if you think you one know, other thing will actually pay off. We uh, we sat here and I uh, did I talk to somebody about it? I, oh, I wrote a story the other day just saying like, <laughs> uh, Bruce Cassidy's going to tell you what he's going to do, and that's admirable. And then Logan, you actually asked him about that in his press conference today. I did. So five hours after I published my story, and then you still went with the question anyway today Cassidy just going back to his third line <laughs> without any notice in game two is something we didn't talk about where it's like they they rolled out that fourth line at uh at morning skate and then Charlie Coyle's back at the center on the third line again so um I guess Cassidy's got us hook line and sinker We're just buying whatever he feeds <laughs> yeah that is that, that is true um you guys have anything else no no. All right. Let's get out of here. Um, yeah, we'll probably reconvene sooner than later. Uh, not sure. It depends how the, the series goes, depending on scheduling and things like that. But um, games three, four is, is game five. I should probably know this. Is game five on Nesson? I'm not. They're sure. all on Nesson. Okay. Now. So the Three's rest seven. of the moving forward games are on Nesson. So check that out. We got six thirty on Wednesday and Friday, if I'm not mistaken, and then seven on Sunday. So. Um, for uh, Lauren and Logan, I'm Mike. This has been Ness and Bruins Podcast. Thanks for joining us. See you again next week.